Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Well, that was... It had the makings of a good game when the Oilers were coming back. <laughs> then it just went all to crap. Kevin Bieksa called it really well um, between both periods on Hockey Night in Canada, the Oilers losing 6-3 to the Flames. In the first period intermission, Bieksa says, yeah, for the first 17 minutes, the Oilers didn't look like they, they came to try to win the game. Yeah. And then um, at the end of the second period, he said it's all over. They were down 5-2. It was, and he said it was all over. And he was right both times. I think BX, I'd like to, he's pretty candid and he's very honest, but I'd like to actually hear his, like, give him truth serum and hear what he really thinks of the Oilers. Mm-hmm. Because I think he has a fair, some amount of disdain for this team's lack of defensive intensity and their lack of, Sometimes their lack of hockey smarts or game management. I think he'd have a lot to say about both things if you really got him going. I have disdain for those items myself tonight, David. (laughs) Indeed. Let's get into it, Bruce. Our two good things, two bad things, two numbers podcast. We'll go with two bad things each because it was a battle of Alberta defeat. And... um, uh, we also have a conundrum at the end of it. What's your good thing, Bruce? Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with the play of uh, Dylan Holloway, yeah. uh, who uh, was a player who uh, I thought uh, delivered with the intensity of the game, which this was a it was kind of a vicious game, and it, it got off the rails in places. But I thought Holloway mostly kept it on the straight and narrow, at least until he got a 10-minute misconduct and and uh, left the game with uh, three minutes to play uh, for not much. The refs were just clearing the benches at that point. Uh, but I, I just saw several, several plays of promise. And this kid is always flashing promise. And there's usually not a lot of, you know, payload being delivered at the end of it in terms of, Goals results. and points and yeah. pluses and, and results. And really, there were none tonight either uh, in that end. But he had, uh, 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 I just liked his involvement in the game. I liked the way, uh, for instance, he took a puck hard to the net in the third period. And after he got knocked down, he made a diving play to chip the puck back to the point and keep it alive. And then they kept the pressure on, and he was banging guys on the boards. and. And uh, I, I just thought he was a lot more alert and paying attention uh, to the hockey game than many of his more famous teammates were. And I thought this was a game where, you know, he was one of the few that caught my eye in a good way, to be honest. I agree. Um fast, aggressive player, you know, maybe top end. He's Ryan McLeod with more aggression which is a pretty good player. Um, he's got a similar skill set. I, um, I like him at center. They don't always play him there. They don't often play him there. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think um, I think what's his, his reading of the game and, some, and, and a little bit more patience, a little bit more calm with the puck, mm-hmm. takes over 
that he will start to make some good plays with the puck and become someone who, who you know, doesn't look like he's oh, going to be wow. like a 70-point guy, but maybe he, he can get like that 30 to 50-point range in his career and, and mm-hmm. um, in the NHL. He's, mm-hmm. you know, he's, it's a, he's, he's the rookie forward. He has a hard time getting ice time net, um, yeah. on this team. But um, I think he's gonna he's gonna stick, and he's gonna. I still hope in the playoffs he's gonna make a really positive mark. I see him, Bruce, in the playoffs. I have them imagining, you know, the the nineteen ninety Cup run run is so memorable to me still, and kid that line, line of uh, kid line and Holloway feels like he could have been on that line. He could have been one of those guys, and he could be in the playoffs. It strikes me mm-hmm. as like a just a fast forechecking line that that. Um, keeps the puck in the opposition and doesn't score much, but is effective in that way. I think he could could fulfill that role in the playoffs, even on a third or a fourth line for the Oilers this year. Well, he had numbers tonight, David, that'll blow your socks off. I mean, he, he only played seven minutes and 36 seconds. Let's start there. Six shot attempts, three on goal, three hits, two and oh in the faceoff circle. And while he was on the ice, seven and a half minutes, the Oilers had 19 shot attempts and Calgary had one. They just dominated the possession game, nineteen to one. As and he was Connor Brown and Derek Ryan were just equally phenomenal uh, uh, shot share. You know, over ninety percent. Like Holloway uh, was driving it, and he has that potential to drive mm-hmm. a line, right? Because he can carry the puck and he's fast, mm-hmm. like McLeod does um, at mm-hmm. times. So both those players, um, we just need to see a you know timely scoring mm-hmm. from both, and that's all you'd ask, Bruce. My good thing was another player in a similar category. He's got his share of critics on the Oilers, and he wasn't perfect tonight. That's for sure. He was a culprit on a goal against, which is unusual for him at even strength. But Matthias Janmark um, mm-hmm. came through. Wasn't in the end. He got a, he got a goal. I think it's his fourth of the year. So he's starting to score a bit. But um, three in the more, last week. M- more to the point, um, he just it was fantastic how he stood up for Connor McDavid. And if there's, this wasn't a game that gives you a lot of hope for the Edmonton Oilers. They've reverted back to almost every single bad habit that we saw at the start of the year. And it's been going on for a while now and it's getting discouraging, frankly. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the things you see with this team is they do fight for each other. And that's, that's a really important quality in a team. Yanmark, I think it's someone. I think DeBrusque said it was his second fight in the NHL, but he went right. Blake Coleman is a fairly rough customer. He's a tough guy, and yep. he he hit McDavid hard. Uh, Coleman did knocked him off his feet, and Yanmark went first. He went after him, and they both got coincidental minors. And then after the minor penalty, Yanmark went after him, and in the fight for a second fight, he was aggressive in that fight. He was trying to punish. Blake Coleman. Either that or he was was desperately fighting for his life. Yeah, Mark, I'm thinking, well, I'm just going to keep throwing punches. That's Uh what he did, and it was fairly effective. He really got some hard Uh punches in there. He threw about Uh 15. I didn't count them, but he threw a lot of punches. He was very active in that fight, and he he won Uh the fight. So Uh I just give him credit, though, even if he lost it, Bruce, I give him credit for, for showing up. And even more credit for winning it. And, it. and it felt like the Battle of Alberta. It really put a lot of life in the game. He had a pretty fat lip after. So obviously uh, Coleman got, got one good one in on him at least. Yeah. But uh, I would agree that Janmark had the better of the exchange. And it was, uh, I didn't mind just seeing an oiler sort of stand up to a guy that took 
you know, liberties with McDavid. And um, uh, there was a lot of bad blood in this game. Uh, I loved it, Bruce. I didn't mind. It's there, not that I didn't was, mind it. There was lots of, lots of nastiness in this game. Yeah. And I wouldn't say Janmark was one of the nastiest players in it, but he sure made Blake Coleman his personal project after that hit and uh, and took care of business. And he scored a nice goal later. So Holloway tried to fight Coleman too later in the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I like that. Kane was his usual nasty self. Um, cross-checking Nassim Kadri. Kane, Perry, yeah. Yeah, they were nasty. Um, not that effective, though, no. as players this game, Bruce. No. They were not that effective. Although Kane had one good shot uh, at a key moment of the game, mm-hmm. and he just couldn't drain it. Anyway, Janmark was my good thing. Um, he, uh, you know, it's not even certain that he'll be in the starting lineup when they get to the playoffs. I think he will find a way to get there because he's such a key penalty killer, and he's a solid even-strength player. And if he can, And if he cranks up the aggression... He can score. He's not without finesse. You know, he's been usually about a 10-goal scorer in the NHL in the regular season. And and um, so he can put the puck in the net. He actually deeped the goalie and shot it into the net. Like, his first two goals this year bounced off his body and in. The third one was a Cody Ceci shot that somehow dribbled through the goalie and Janmark pounced on it. And that was Swayman against Boston. Yes, that's and he, right. And he, and he got in behind him and he sort of tucked a one footer into the net. And now tonight he actually went around the goalie and, and, and scored a, you know, I won't say goal scorer's goal, but a, you know, an actual, an actual, not just standing around the net and having one go in somehow, but he actually made a, a nice move and play. And as you say, he's like, consistent 10 plus goal scorer in this league over the years and it was mystifying how he could only have one goal in february well he started to set that you know level that bar a little bit and he's up to four tiny bit of secondary scoring helps even as it was six two by then so didn't really move the needle a whole lot i didn't mind i liked knoblock pulling the goalie when he did i thought you know he got the grade eight chance that he needed in that moment mm-hmm. um hyman almost scored and so i heard some i saw re- online yeah. some criticism like when yamark scored if only he hadn't yeah. pulled the goalie then you know but that's right. not it's not how it works I, I, you you need to try to score you're down you're down mm-hmm. by three you're doing nothing they weren't generating much it was it was a valid risk and they almost it almost worked mcdavid almost got the rebound and put it in but it's it was just not his night to Break his own goal. It's not his month to put it in. It is not. Bruce, what is your bad thing, your first of two? Yeah, yeah. well, my first of two bad things is the uh, second night in a row. I'm going to say the same thing, how Oilers started this game. And they came out and they flat out weren't ready to play. And Calgary just took it to them for the first more or less 15 minutes of the first period and ran away to a 3 nothing lead. And it was uh, just a horror show in the uh, show of some kind anyway in the Oilers defensive zone uh, it was like I mean they might as well rolled out the friggin red carpet between the face off circles and say Calgary players just skate right through here nobody will touch you we promise and they just came cruising in there time after time either breakaways or nobody covering guy just got a clean walk in on the net and uh, 
Edmonton's uh, defensive play and their back-checking was woeful. I mean, the, the great Connor McDavid was a, a major defensive culprit on the first and third goals against. On the first one, he looked like he had and had some cadre, and then uh, I don't know if Cadre pushed off him a little bit, but Cadre separated from McDavid and deflected the pass into the net. And a two-on-two became a, a guy alone in front tipping it in. And then on the third goal, he was right, you know, in the uh, right behind the guy who was goal scorer, and he was just sort of standing there watching the play. And the guy just skated away from him. The puck came to him. Bam! That was in the net. That was the game. Well, I guess it wasn't the game winner, but it was the one that you know. Once it was three nothing. It was it was Edmonton playing chase the rest of the way, and not to single out. I mean, I just did single out McDavid, but he was not the only culprit. There was a lot of crappy yeah. defending going on there, and people missing their men, heads not on swivels, and uh, just you know clean chances and grade A shots for Calgary, of which they had uh, one, two, three. Uh, four, five, six, uh, five grade A shots in the first period, and all five of them five alarm shots. So they weren't just given ch- good chances; they were given great gold-plated chances up. And I ca- give Calgary a ton of credit; they had a fine game, but uh, they were the best team on the ice by some distance. And Edmonton just, for whatever reason, second after. Two weeks of stinking it up in the second period. This weekend has just turned to the first period where they got shellacked and it just it was just poor. It's a revolving door of bad smells. Bruce, mm. the um, McDavid's mistakes were typical, I think, of kind of the lack of intensity. Like if, if you're super sharp on both those plays, the offensive players just wanted to get to the net more than the defensive player wanted to cover him going there. Yep. And uh, and so if McDavid's super sharp, he f- he figures out a way to mm-hmm. not let Nazem Kadri win that physical battle to the net, and he figures and he's sharp enough to think, oh, uh, like I'm going to get on the right side of the puck on the third goal and not let, allow that guy in for the open no shot. Hannafin, yeah. And and in between that, it was Drysaddle, like a terrible turnover. Mm-hmm. Um, five minutes into the game, Leon makes and um, and. Uh, both Bouchard and Ekholm were like miles from position, so that when the puck yeah. was turned over, well, they're the charging skated, up ice, skated down. Yeah, well, and Leon makes it both a turnover there. Both defensemen are charging <laughs> up ice again. It's it's part of this. It's a lack of discipline, Bruce. Mm-hmm. The Oilers are super keen to go score goals again. Mm-hmm. They got yeah. they're super keen to go on the attack and charge up the ice. They're super keen, but they're not super keen to play disciplined hockey they're playing undisciplined hockey they're playing undisciplined on defense they're overly aggressive often on defense and they get caught out of position they're overly aggressive on the attack joining like charging up to join the rush so when your teammate does make a turnover as happens there's no one there to cover him uh on the the next five alarm was was dry again and he allowed a pass he just was laid on a pass and there was a wicked shot because of it after a turnover by nugent hopkins so these guys, they're their two best players. They're not alert. And everyone's everyone's just going gangbusters for goals instead of thinking, I am going to be a def- disciplined, fierce defensive hockey player. But a key is discipline, smart defensive hockey. 
and the orders have thrown that out the window after after putting on a display of it for two months and it's uh frustrating was, to behold this was an undisciplined a game as they played in a long time they lost yeah. their you know they lost their their uh, they they lost their 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 like they retaliated they they took some cheap shots they got away with some and they got called for some yeah and it just became more war of attrition but uh, the best way to get your revenge beat them Calgary be would be pretty happy dressing room tonight I imagine Edmonton's wasn't that happy because <clears throat> they lost their focus among other things that they lost. My bad thing is Stuart Skinner, Bruce, he let in two goals um, that I thought he should have had, both outside shots. They were both really good shots, so let's give the shooters credit. Mm-hmm. But on both of the shots, um, so the first shot, uh, is it Pospisilli comes in yep. over the blue line. There's yep. all kinds of, like, I don't know how Evander Kane and Cody Cece and Matthias Janmark let this shot get taken, but it is from the top of the circles. And yeah. there is no, it's not a two-on-one. There's no one in front of the net. There's nothing else happening. There's just one yeah. flame charging in the zone to rip off a shot. That mm. would be a cue for the goalie. If he's super sharp and confident, you can come out a bit more, I'm I'm going to suggest. Cut down the angle a bit more and you make an easy save. Top he of the crease, at least, would be nice. Yeah, he didn't do those things. And because of that, he gets beat. Um, the next goal is um, the four... The Oilers, the Oilers battle back. It's 3-2. And it looks like they're going to get back in this game. You know, maybe get the next goal. They're they're playing well. And Nurse loses his stick. And then there's, there's some scrambling around. Fogel gives him the stick, scrambling around. There's a pass out front because everyone's disorganized and discombobulated. But it's, again, a shot from the top of the circles. And Skinner isn't screened on the shot. And he ha- he's, hasn't been moving around that much in his net. He's just making a shift from the post up to the middle of the net. But he lost his he lost the middle of the net. He was over on one side and he left the whole um, blocker side open. And Dryden Hunt picked it. So so again, um, he's just out of sorts in the net. He's not, you know, when Stuart Skinner is at his best, mm-hmm. he is pretty much unbeatable on the first shot. He might allow in a rebound. But on those first shots, he's fantastic. And he was that way for a long time for, all, for during the winning streak. And before then, he started to play super solid first shot, first stop hockey. And he's lost that. Yeah. He's getting beat again and again on shots that break your back as a team. You, you, even though these are good shots, you expect NHL goalies to make those saves uh, 85 to 90% of the time at least, even on those good shots. And he didn't do it tonight, twice. Yeah. Yeah, they've been, uh, yeah. Bruce, your second bad thing. Yeah. Uh, second bad thing. You, 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 go, go, you, you go. go ahead, yeah. Mine's, mine's, so right after that, the orders are down 4-2. They're still not out of the game. Right. And what does Leon Dreisaitl do? He's mad at Pospisil. I don't know, you know, probably, I think, is that the guy who's who um, slew-footed him? So he's mad about this player. And he so he, he takes a run at him and pushes him really hard, which was good, and he didn't get a penalty. And then, but he, 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 wanted, to hurt, he wanted to 
hurt him or he was just mad at him. So then he he hacks him and not and hooks him and knocks him to the ice. It is an obvious penalty. It is just super undisciplined. It is the height of undisciplined hockey. It is not what an, an assistant captain, guy who's been in the league a long time, should be doing when his team is down and needs a goal. And they scored on the power play. It that is not even close to good enough. And I noticed that the I don't think I think that you know I thought the coach might even bench him for a little bit there. It such yeah. was the undisciplined nature of that play. But he 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 didn't send them out at the end of the penalty with McDavid. Um, I don't think well, that's because they scored on the power play. Oh, that's yeah, they scored on the power play. But he could have sent him. That was a killer he, penalty that ended the game. But he didn't send Drysaddle out for the next shift. Right. With well, usually he's out good. after. Um, he's usually out in that moment. So there was a slight wee little message okay. uh, by the coach. Yeah, it's just like, come on, Leon. Like That penalty was unacceptable. Uh, they, I hope someone asks him about it after the mm-hmm. game because I think it's a fair question. What what, mm-hmm. what what were you thinking? Why did you take that penalty? And uh, and ask him and see what he says because mm-hmm. he should be, he should take, he should step up and take full responsibility and say he just made his terrible undisciplined mistake that cost him his team in a big moment. Yeah, well, they were, I mean, they were going at it pretty good and giving each other shots back and forth, and the puck was long gone. And then as Pospisil tried to rejoin the play, Drysdale just hooked him high around the shoulder and with the ref like five feet away. I mean, even an NHL ref can see that, right? And, uh, I mean, I'm not going to bitch about that call because, I, you know, that's a penalty 100 times out of 100. He just hooked the guy down hard, and, and it was, um, it was, uh, um, Nasty. Anyway, uh, that'll be my second bad thing. And I know you like the rough stuff. And I didn't dislike all of the rough stuff. Let's put it that way. But here's Edmonton Oilers penalties tonight. Hooking. Okay. Uh, and then we've got roughing, roughing, cross-checking, fighting, hooking. Oh, another hooking. Slashing, fighting, unsportsmanlike conduct. That was Corey Perry. Misconduct, cross-checking, misconduct. And, you know, a lot of... A lot of rough stuff and a lot of, uh, you know, <laughs> yes. sticks going around. And Corey Perry and Evander Kane, you know, they're they're tough guys and they were dishing it out. But in the meantime, they uh, didn't play a whole lot of good hockey, I didn't think. And they just uh, uh, were a lot bigger part of the problem than of the solution tonight, those guys and, and more than those guys. But it was, uh, that's a lot of penalties, David. Well, they have uh, 46 minutes in penalties. Calgary had 34. And uh, it was... Um, well, it all started, you know, with Nurse. The orders that Hyman had scored to make it 3-2. And mm-hmm. just shortly after that, the Flames get the puck and are rushing up ice. And Nurse decides he's going to charge on a pinch way up into the Calgary zone to hit somebody. It's mm-hmm. a, you know, it's a late hit. He took himself right out of the play. And that's when Calgary came down, and they got two two really good chances. Um, one of one of them, Cece stopped the goal from going in because Skinner was out of the net. And then right. Skinner kind of sprawled, and then he got up, and then he sprawled again, and he made the second save. All that starts because Darnell Nurse decides he's going to charge up the ice and make a big hit when it was wasn't necessary, and when when he knew he's taking himself out of the play with it. So it was now, just Cece made a big block there, and then on the. The second chance, Chillington, I think, had the chance, and he fired it high, and Skinner got his shoulder Skinner on it. Got it. He was way off on one side of the net. Like, if the yeah, guy shot in the lucky. other side, it would have gone in. And so, I mean, he did. 
I mean, Skinner, I will say, what did he stop tonight? Two or three breakaways? He he did have some good saves. There's no, yeah. like Calgary. So the grade A shots, Bruce, let me just give you those, were 16 to 11 for the Oilers. The Oilers had a run of them in the third period when it was kind of out of hand. 16 to 11 for the Oilers, but the five alarm shots, the subset of even more dangerous shots, was nine to six for Calgary. Yeah. So Skinner did have a lot of difficult shots. Um and he, and the two you know the two that I highlighted were were really good shots. I'm not saying they weren't. It's just they're they're just NHL goalies are expected to stop really good shots, and uh, such is life. This is several times lately. Uh, we don't usually see this. Usually the team that has the most grade A shots also has the most five alarms. And I would suggest there's been three or four games lately where Edmonton's had the more grade A's, but they've given up the more five alarms. Like Edmonton's defensive yeah. mistakes tend to be more egregious than those of the other team. And, and, you know, when they do give up a chance, it tends to be 10 bell. Okay, so we're through the bad things now. And Are we're we? on to it. I'm just yeah. getting started. Well, at least I got to write about it, eh? We're on to our numbers. <laughs> What's your number? Yeah. Uh, I got lots of numbers, David, but I think I'll just go with 16. Uh, in the month of January, when the orders went 11-0-0, they allowed 14 goals in an entire month. Now, this week, the orders have had, so far, three games of a five-game homestand, three three home games, and they've already given in 16 goals in the three games. And their defensive play has completely evaporated. And... It, <laughs> They started it's to believe their own It's Bruce. defense, it's forwards, it's everything. All the things they were doing right, they aren't doing any of those things right. It's like they forgot all of it. And this disciplined, mature, um, uh, you know, defense first, take care of business and get our goals when we get our chances team, where is it? It's gone. It's like it never happened. It was a mirage. And we're Maybe back in the desert. Maybe it was a mirage built out of desperation. The, back in the desert with no oasis in sight. <laughs> 40 days, we're going to have to suffer through this. They're right. tempted by uh, goal scoring, Bruce. They really are. Yeah, just, no, no, it's, a, it's you're right. It's, 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 it's pedal to the metal, let's go back yeah. to oiler hockey because it worked so yeah. well in October. It's <sighs> not a lack of, they're aggressive. <laughs> Jesus. They're just not I mean, aggressive on, they're just not, they are undisciplined totally, on defense, totally so undisciplined. And it's it's almost, I don't know, like, what are you going to do before the game? Visualization, visualize yourself back checking and getting on the right side of the player in the defensive zone. Mm-hmm. And that applies especially to number 97 and number 29 at this, in this moment. Like, just, you know, like, just, there's just, they're not doing it. Oh. And it's not good. It is not good. And the suffering will continue until they figure it out. Bruce, th- this team can win the Stanley Cup, but it's got to play a fanatically disciplined brand of hockey. And I don't know if they're capable of it. Like we, we like in the playoffs, I, I thought well, during those two months, I was thinking, do it. yeah, it's a long <laughs> enough stretch. You, you think... It's a long enough stretch that they could, you think they're going to do it in 16 games, of course, is what you need to win the Stanley Cup. But um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. They just got hammered last year in the playoffs. There couldn't have been a louder message than what Vegas gave them when they couldn't hold the lead against Vegas. Like, you can't play the style of hockey 
You want to play and win in the playoffs. You will never win in the playoffs playing that hockey. And this is the message to the best players on the team. Did they get it? Well, they're scoring goals at a higher rate in February than they did in January. So on the offensive <laughs> side, it's working. They're actually outscoring their pace in January. Yeah. It's just a, the little matter of 14 goals against in January in 11 games, 42 against in 10 games in February. It's like wow. yeah, triple, triple number of goals against. And that's, you know, if they get a shutout on Monday against the Kings, then they'll be triple after the same number of games. And somehow I doubt that's going to happen the way they're playing. I wonder who will play on Monday. That's a very good question. Let's have that as our conundrum then. Who's going to play? Yeah. That's your a very call. good question. Yeah. I, I, uh, it's Kings. It's a big divisional opponent. Uh, my guess well, gotta, is they'll go with the number one. But. I got to give my number because this relates yeah. to that. Oh, right, okay. right. Okay. So my number is six. This is the sixth game in a row where the Oilers goalie has made a major mistake on a goal against. And these aren't, during the, the winning streak, these, it was really uncommon to see that. I don't have the number in front of me one, now. but There was one in January by Pickard in Detroit. Yeah, they, they just was so rare for them to give up a bad goal. And now there's been seven in six games, two by Skinner tonight. So it's just like game after game after game, they're giving those back-breaking goals up and they're getting their backs broken. So the conundrum is, what do you do here? Like, in, And I don't think they're trading for a goalie, Bruce. Um, they, they talked about it between periods on Hockey Night in Canada. Bieksa seemed of the mind to, to trade for a goalie. Why, as he put it, why not? Like, you want to go for it. Friedman, Elliot Friedman was saying... Um, that he felt that, that they're going to try to build up around them, like um, trade yeah. for a backup goalie and and build a better defensive team around them. And, I, and my inclination is what Friedman said, but right now, like, I don't know who you go with. I think they'll go with Skinner. It's my bet. What do you say? On Monday against the Kings? Yeah, it'll, yeah. it'll be Skinner because he's the number one and they want to get him back on track, but... I don't know what they do between now and, you know, 44 hours from now when they drop the puck on that game uh, because he's been fighting it for a while. And his, um, I hate the term body language, but his slumping shoulders after yet another goal goes in has become a, a very both irksome and worrisome sight. Of it's not like a guy right. that's lost his confidence and his, you know, his swagger. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe they should uh, call, give Mike Smith a jet ride to Edmonton and they can go out for a couple of beers or something tomorrow and air it all out. He needs some of that Mike Smith uh, advice. Put him in that. Put Mike <laughs> Smith in that. Mike Smith. What a, what a legend Mike Smith was in net for the Edmonton yeah. Oilers. What a, what a dramatic hockey player. Yeah, yeah, lots of people didn't like him, and, and and there was reasons not to, but compare him to all the other goalies that we've had here in the last number of years, and he stands up pretty, pretty well. Yeah. Especially so, yeah, at the, the price point. Yeah. So the greater conundrum is, you know, with the goaltending is, so both Bieksa and Friedman seem to agree that they need another backup. Pickard has been fighting it. 
like for a couple of games himself. He's he's been battling it. Um, I I don't know. Like Jake Allen is the top goalie on the trade market, or I guess Flurry's the other one if he wants to move. But Jake Allen is he? What's a, Jake you know, Allen going to do for you that Calvin Pickard can't? Well, do. that's it. Like I don't know why you'd ever trade anything for Jake Allen. Like everyone, like he's at the top of these trade lists, and before like the price was going to be high for Jake. Why? Mm-hmm. Why would the price be high for Jake Allen? Why don't you bring back Jack Campbell before you like? I know that's like going to offend people to hear that, but Jack Campbell's a, a, probably a better goalie than Jake Allen. I mean, he's he had a terrible run with he's had a terrible run with the Oilers, but over the last six years, it's not close. So I don't get the Jake Allen thing, but maybe Mark Andre Fleury, like another yet another veteran, um, might be the idea. Name does keep popping up, but. Uh... He, you know, when I see him, every once in a while, he, he looks good, but he looks, you know, like he's near the end of the line. Yeah. That's what I'm seeing. Jake Allen is uh, this year 5'11 and 3, 366, 894 with Montreal Canadiens, which is not a good defensive team, but this just in, neither are Edmonton Oilers. I just can't see him coming in and providing a miracle cure to what ails the Oilers. You know, grade B goals are no, are, are no that we're seeing in recent games. The fact is that Oilers goalies have been under onslaught for, you know, with all the defensive peccadilloes in front of them. Mark andre Fleury, um, 11 wins and uh, 13 losses, a 8.99 save percentage. So um, he's more in the running, I guess, but. And he is a veteran, and he's got the Stanley Cup experience, so mm-hmm. maybe they'll well, Jake go. Allen won a Stanley Cup for St. Louis. I mean, he won it from the bench while Jordan Bennington played all the games. But there you go. Anyway, there you go. When was when was Flurry last good in the playoffs? Let me. Uh, well, he got replaced by um, Murray, Matt Murray, both year, both at 2016 and 17. He's got a no-move clause, and he's got a $3.5 million cap hit, Fleury does, meaning you'd have to trade assets not just for him but to buy down his thing, and he would still be $1.75 million, and there's just no real room for him. Like A lot of this stuff's wishful thinking, David. It the is. Yeah, that's don't have, They don't have cap room, and they don't have a whole lot of assets to either buy down um, incoming cap hits or just acquire the guy in the first place. I mean, Jake Allen, he's got uh, his cap hit this year is $3.85 million. Like, even if they retain half, you know, you got to fit $2 million in there. I don't think they're doing that. I think they're going to get both a forward and a defenseman, is my guess, Bruce. And I think they need both at this point. Yeah. I think they need a puck-moving defenseman. Um, they need someone who can... Um, and I brought up this name, Anton Strahlman, before that kind of defenseman. Mm-hmm. Um, he can be a quite a play quite a quiet game, but he's just got to be able to really move the puck and um, and um, play with Nurse. Um, if he's capable of that, right shot defenseman who can really move the puck and is solid defensively, doesn't have to be a, a big point producer. Can they get that? Give up your first pick. They have so they have one good, really good asset, right? The first pick. 
Yeah, they got Broberg, they got Bo Aiki, and they got the first pick that would be tempting to other teams. And... Yeah, people, I mean, people think <laughs> Rafael Lavoie might have trade value. I mean, it was on waivers earlier he this year. Any, anyone, could, anyone could have him. Xavier Borgo, their first pick from a few years ago, has 16 points in 47 games. He's like... Just he's, hit a wall down there. He's a nothing player in the AHL in his second year in the AHL. Like, there's no way he's got much value at all. He, he would probably clear waivers at this point. Um, yeah, I don't know, Bruce. They, there's not a lot of assets. There's Maximus Wanner, like a big, tough, young defenseman who's 20 years old that I could see another team wanting, um, possibly. But um, maybe it's Philip Broberg. But he's he's on the wrong side, right? Like, yeah, well, he's hurt right now, and he's hurt right now as well. Anyway, they do have the first pick, so they can make one major trade, and then like, so they either bring in a you know the top player, the defenseman, or they target a forward. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm good with either. They could use help in both areas, like another center, a really good third line center, or a top four demon with a. Um, with the first pick, go go in either direction works for me. Yeah, well, I think it's becoming clear that they need help. What's becoming less clear, what we've seen lately, is that are they really in position to contend? Like they got holes. They got a lot of holes. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm still okay <laughs> with them. That that you know they played they, they played a great two and a half months of hockey when Knobloch took over. This is this is a team that can really play. Connor McDavid is is fiercely determined. And I think all these things that we're raising, we're not going to say anything that he doesn't know and doesn't believe yeah. himself, and he's going to take care of it. He's going to take care of his own game, and he's going to push these other players. Yeah. So I'm just a real believer in, in the captain this year, and I think they're going to figure it out. But they, I think they will need some help. And I do, I'm starting to lean more and more towards the defenseman angle that puck moving defenseman steady puck mover could they try to get Noah Hannafin he's going to be um he'll be a first pick plus obviously he wants to go to the states and he's an expiring contract so whatever it'd be a strict rental he's a lefty too right so he's a lefty he's another lefty yeah yeah he's not perfect did you I noticed Tanev in a good way he seemed to move fairly well um, maybe he'll be the guy. I don't know. He's kind of old, but he's kind of old, but, and, and again, I don't really have a solid opinion on these big, players. I don't watch them. Hit. Yeah. I don't watch them closely enough to really have a credible opinion. I'm just throwing out names that everybody else is throwing out. All right, Bruce, let's leave it there. I guess you got a big night ahead of you right in the game grades. Yep. Yep. We're going to be a little terse tonight, I suspect. Why not? Maybe even Kurt. Apologies to our coworker Kurt. I'm talking. I'm talking about the C word, Kurt. So being abrupt. Uh, <laughs> All right, Bruce. Thanks for talking. Not much good to talk about that game. No. Thanks for talking tonight. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between time, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.